Hey everyone, and welcome to the Just Get Hired podcast. When you take a look around your office, are there people who look differently than you do? Meaning, is there a mix of other sexes, races, and people who are culturally different? Why is it so important to have inclusivity at work? Is it because you need a business case or is there a genuine interest to recruit and retain talent regardless of the color of their skin, how they identify or where they come from? The modern workplace is more inclusive than ever before. We accommodate people of different ethnicities, cultures, gender identities, religions, sexual orientations, and abilities. Hey everyone, my name is Jessica Fiesta George, your host of Just Get Hired. This podcast is for job seekers, business professionals, the underemployed, and the unappreciated employee who just want to level up their opportunities. I've been a talent acquisition leader for over 15 years, and I help develop strategies for businesses who want a sustainable talent acquisition program that will position them for future growth. In this episode, I am going to introduce you to the founder of the nonprofit Pride and Joy Foundation, Elena Joy Thurston. Elena is an inspirational LBGTQ speaker and trainer. She's also a Mormon mom of four who lost her marriage, her church, and her community when she came out as a lesbian. Elena's viral TEDx talk on surviving conversation therapy has been viewed over 45,000 times, and it landed her media and speaking opportunities with ABC, CBS, Logitech, Michaels, and so many more. Elena Joy also recently launched Pride and Joy Publishing, which is the only publisher of solely LGBTQ plus empowerment and business books. We're going to talk about looking at our current workplace structures and the future of work in a way to increase awareness of incorporating a full spectrum of gender diversity and non-binary thinking into our current DEI initiatives. If you enjoy my content, head over to my website, justgethired.com. Also, follow me on Instagram, Just Get Hired, and find me on LinkedIn by my full name, Jessica Fiesta George. All right. Welcome, Elena, to the Just Get Hired podcast. How are you doing today? I am wonderful. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Well, I'm super happy to have you. I'm very honored to have your perspective on the show to really educate the audience on LGBTQ issues in the workplace. Um, But before we jump into our podcast topic, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the Pride and Joy Foundation? Love to. So yes, um, on the side of doing my DEI consultancy work, I run Pride and Joy Foundation. It is a nonprofit whose goal is to reduce the rate of suicide and homelessness in our community. And we do that through a variety of ways. Um, We do that through amplifying queer voices, and that's often through our public speaking classes or our path to authorship classes. And then we also work with parents. We have found that Oftentimes the negativity that parents might feel is really just fear because they haven't been exposed to a lot of LGBTQ, very successful adults that are out there being very happy in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so we found that as we amplify those queer voices, we're able to address a lot of the concerns that parents have, and then we're able to support them becoming advocates for their children. So that's kind of the two-pronged approach we would take to that. 
Awesome. Well, that sounds like some amazing work that you're doing there. And I'm sure the audience would love to learn more and we'll share links later on. But um, so our topic today, we're talking about the future of work is non-binary. And as everyone's aware, there's a huge war for talent and there's a big focus on diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, it's a huge topic for organizations right now. Um, when we talk about it, the future of work is non-binary. Can we maybe just start by defining what is non-binary and tell me more about non-binary thinking? You got it. Yes. So non-binary is a gender identity, and that is not the focus of the concept of future of work. It's not a gender mm -hmm. identity, but it very much goes along with the frame of thinking, which is non-binary. A binary is one or the other, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're not male, you're female. Um, right. And so that's a very binary way of thinking. It's also a very binary way of presenting gender because science has told us there's way more than just a male and a female. So we, when we are able to embrace that, then we're able to open up a host of solutions and innovation and creativity that wasn't available to us before when we're only thinking in binary ways. And so I'm sure we'll get into it and we'll mm -hmm. discuss a lot of different examples around that. But one way that is makes it a little easier to grasp is if if you've had any exposure to quantum computing or quantum mechanics, it's this concept that, you know, there are zeros and ones, mm -hmm. and that could be male and female, right? Zeros and ones, and they exist in the same place in the quantum universe. And that is where our society is starting to head towards ideologically. We are starting to realize that think two opposing concepts can actually exist in the same space. And as we embrace that idea, like I said, we're able to access that innovation that wasn't available before. Well, your answer definitely clears up some common misconceptions, I think, that we hear all the time. Um, you know, there's a real need right now for C-suite leadership and HR to really transform the framework of processes and policies mm -hmm. that suggest a culture of inclusion and sensitivity. Um, how would you say uh, the lack of understanding for DEI um, impacts how leaders lead and just how people work together? Sure. Well, there's two different, the two majority ways of looking at diversity and inclusion and on the organizational scale. And one is, and I think it was very popular maybe during the 90s and the early 2000s, which was, I don't see color or mm -hmm. I don't see sexual orientation, right? And that's something that we often hear in the workplace, like, who you sleep with has nothing to do with your job. So it shouldn't be addressed. It shouldn't be factored into decision-making. Like it, it, it takes a very binary viewpoint of culturalism. And then the other way to kind of view diversity and inclusion in the workplace is to go from a way of multiculturalism, which is the mm -hmm. concept that everything about you affects how you do your job. So if we can embrace and support every part of you, then we're going to get a better quality of work out of you. And scientifically speaking, studies have been done on both ends of those spectrums. And by and large, the multiculturalism <laughs> view has been proven to be most effective, not just for psychological safety at work, but also for the bottom line. Right, for sure. Well, I know you help businesses and others um, to really understand, you know, this very dynamic and, I mean, we can talk for longer than 30 minutes, but um, this whole issue, but, um, you know, what is your advice to businesses and others who really want to understand how to be more inclusive in the workplace? Wow. 
What is my advice? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, I... <laughs> let's see. If if businesses want to become more inclusive, hooray! It is the right. desire. And mm -hmm. yet, let's pause right there. Let's just take a pause. Let's take mm -hmm. a breath and ask why. Why? And mm -hmm. often, what I hear is, "Yes, Elena, I need the business case on our on LGBTQ inclusion. I need the business case on on why we need to do that. Why we need to focus time, energy, and efforts towards LGBTQ inclusion." And mm -hmm. it's funny because it's just another rehashing of the question. I need the business case for diversity. Right? right, which DEI mm -hmm. people have been dealing with forever. And I think that it's a hysterical question. And honestly, I have a hard time keeping a straight face when people ask that <laughs> question to me because I want to say, where's the business case for straight people increasing profit? Right. Where's that business case? That's where's true. the business case for white people being mm -hmm. the people in charge and increasing profit? There is no case for that. And yet you can go to Harvard Business Review. You can go to Human Capital Institute. You can find all kinds of studies that have been done to show that when you increase diversity in the workplace, you increase the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Right. So. Yeah, the business case is interesting, but if what you're going for is just for profit, eventually what you're going to end up with is performative allyship, and anyone can see through mm -hmm. that at any time of day. So the increased profit is a side benefit to the fact that when you pursue diversity and inclusion, you are increasing psychological safety in your workforce, which means you're going to have greater retention of key talent greater mm -hmm. ability to attract key talent. You're going to have greater ability to not have lawsuits hanging out at your door. You're going to have mm -hmm. a greater ability to stand up to public scrutiny. Like the list just goes right. on and on. So if those are the reasons you're pursuing diversity and inclusion, that's not going to end up performative, right? Those are the right. reasons that are going to get you through those sticky conversations that you're really worried you're going to offend someone, right? When you're based on those more holistic views, that's where you're going to find success. The person who comes to me and says, okay, you've proven to me that it's going to increase our bottom line to have LGBTQ inclusion. Yeah, I give them about six months. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like, you're, well, I mean, I feel like for most, most organizations, they're just checking the box, right? They just want right. to say, yes, we have a uh, diversity uh, plan. Mm -hmm. Yes, we are inclusive. But really understanding that, I think, is something that's really hard for businesses and people to really grasp. Agreed. Agreed. It, so often we want to stay in our comfort zone. And that, again, goes back to that binary thinking that, okay, this is going to take a lot of work. This is going to take a lot of effort, a lot of focus, right? And actually, no. <laughs> like, actually, <laughs> we can embrace it with a non-binary perspective of this is something we can integrate into our everyday and so it might feel like a small lift at first, and then mm -hmm. eventually it's not going to feel like a lift at all. It's going to feel like just regular life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, this is a very complex topic, and I feel like you deserve more than the time that I'm able to give you today. Um, but I guess what would be a takeaway you'd like to leave our audience, especially about this whole topic? Here's the takeaway for you. <laughs> um, if you are in HR leadership, especially if you're a CHRO, please know that your next five harassment lawsuits are probably going to be from experiences in the bathroom 
What we're seeing is we have a lot of people who are trans and non-binary, about 48% of the LGBTQ population um, Mm -hmm. identifies as trans or non-binary, and they don't have a safe place to pee at work, right? You have someone walking into a women's restroom who isn't immediately identifiable as a woman. And Mm -hmm. let's think best case scenario and worst case scenario. So best case scenario, you have an employee walking into an employee bathroom who doesn't readily identify or look perceive as a woman, as a female. The best case scenario is you're going to have other women in that bathroom, long Mm -hmm. stairs, whispering about it afterwards, right? Talking to other employees. You're going to, that's where you're going to see some harassment. Worst case scenario. And this happens so often. Mm-hmm. is these women are screamed at by other women because they think it's truly a man in the restroom. And what we're not doing is stopping and pausing and asking, why are we so afraid of cis men in our bathroom? Mm-hmm. So much so that the minute we perceive that one might be in there, we are attacking that person who turns out to be a fellow woman. And then you have a harassment lawsuit on your desk. Right. Right. So the bathrooms, when we're looking at bathrooms, that's just like one of the most easily accessible examples of binary thinking. And so I often have people ask me like, okay, so does that mean we need to build another bathroom for non-binary or trans people? No. (laughs) I mean, that's one solution. (laughs) It absolutely is. But really the point of that example is for you to imagine, imagine that you are assigned male at birth, which is an acronym that we use as AMAB. So imagine that you are AMAB and you work in a place that only had women's restrooms. Mm -hmm. You have to pee and poop on a daily basis. Right. I think. Right. (laughs) I don't know anybody who doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) And so what is it going to take? What is your experience going to be as an assigned male at birth walking into the women's restroom at your work? So before you even get to thinking, oh, I guess we need to build another restroom. Think about the societal constructs of your workplace organization And is it based on binary thinking? Because there's so much available to you if you can evolve past that. Very, very powerful. Um, Yeah, unequal treatment, I don't think is, obviously it's not overt, but it does lead to different stigmas in the workplace that leads to different work cultures and people don't really know how to handle it. Um, Leads to a lot of confusion, you know, and basically just ignorance on, how to react, how to, how to think, how to um, really understand. And I I think it's unintentional, but uh, a lot of people have a lot of um, insensitivity when it comes to, you know, these issues at work. Uh, Well, how can we best get in touch with you? Like what, how should people uh, connect with you if they want to learn more? Absolutely. Definitely reach out on LinkedIn. I'm there under Elena Joy Thurston. If you want to see my website, you can go to elenajoyexperience.com or I like to play on Instagram. That's my fun little (laughs) playground. So you can find me there at Elena Joy Speaks. Um, But yeah, I, one of the, my most favorite things to do is we create team building experiences for 
company cultures to be able to increase their trust and communication amongst employees. And we do it through a lens of inclusion. And so it's almost like inclusion training, but you don't have to sit in the conference room. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a lot more fun. Yeah, way more fun. Okay, well, that sounds like an um, awesome thing. I know there's a lot of, uh, especially with the new year, a lot of companies are taking a look at their plans for um, this year on how to do more team building, especially with this time of COVID and everyone's working remotely. Mm -hmm. So is that something that you do um, remotely or is that more on site? No, we can do that remotely and on site. Yeah, we have the flexibility to do both, which is a beautiful thing because we have so many people doing that hybrid work system right now, Mm -hmm. which has been so great for so many people. It's an excellent example of non-binary thinking. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I will, <laughs> I will make sure that I um, put your links to your website and um, all the different ways to find you. Uh, I feel like your foundation especially is um, an excellent way for people to understand how you advocate for parents of mm-hmm. LGBTQ youth. Um, but is there anything else you'd like to share with us? I think maybe just my favorite quote on this area Um, There's an incredible leader in our niche, uh, Di Cirillo, and in her book, Ally Up, she says, leaders must learn to both reach out to more diverse groups and lean into the untapped potential of their company. And I think that that really sums it up and is, again, just a kind of a leading guide on how we can use our non-binary thinking. We can both reach out to our diversity groups as well as lean into the untapped potential of our own companies. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us, Elena. You've given us a lot to really think on. And I, like I said, would love to maybe have you back on another episode because this topic needs and deserves more attention and time. Absolutely. Thank you so much. In the workplace, non-binary employees face two significant challenges, finding and keeping a job and ensuring workplace security. It's not just about addressing the person with gender neutral pronouns or using correct names and pronouns to show respect. Non-binary employees report being harassed, misgendered, fired, and even mistreated in the workplace. There are some real steps that can be taken to overcome stigma and create a safe and supportive environment. HR and business leaders can do a variety of things to help make a significant impact on this issue. So I'm gonna share a few ideas and I'll also put this list on my website to help keep the conversation going. First of all, protect gender identity and gender expression. Make sure it's clear in your recruitment or onboarding process that there is a zero tolerance for intolerance. Also, don't alienate non-binary team members and invite a way in your application process or even in your policies and procedures to avoid perpetuating gender stereotypes. Next, employee privacy is critical. And as a reminder, support transitioning employees in their journey and encourage an open door policy. Think about implementing sensitivity training or even diversity and awareness programs. Another idea is help them get through the red tape for transitioning team members. Reduce that burden of having them change documents over and over again and help them check boxes that may or may not even exist. It's also important, encourage your business leaders and all of your employees to use neutral and preferred pronouns. Don't forget, establish bathroom and locker room access. 
Another thing, take a look at your health insurance policies. Are they inclusive to accommodating various individual or family situations? And then finally, actively recruit individuals from protected communities. So what are some ways that your organization has evolved to non-binary thinking in the workplace? What does your DEI program look like? So I really wanna hear from all of you guys and I also encourage you to reach out to Elena Joy if you need some additional help. I'll add all of her details on my website, justgethired.com. So what do you wanna hear more of? Do you like my content? Use the hashtag JustGetHired, share this out to all of your friends, and if I see your post out there on social media, I'm going to make sure to enter you in for an amazing prize. Your reviews on iTunes, Amazon, and Spotify really do mean a lot to me, so please feel free to give this podcast your five-star review. I'm also happy to announce that my podcast is now going to launch every other Tuesday, so stay tuned in two weeks for another great guest and more engaging conversation. My name is Jessica Fiesta-George, your host of the Just Get Hired podcast. What do you want to talk about next? I'll catch you guys on my next episode.